This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How is the writing going? Writing is going incredibly well. Um, I uh, I don't know if we talked about that in our last uh, interview. Um, I finally got my thesis back from the peer reviewer. Um, who said very lovely things that made me smile and then proceeded to provide a few pages of things that made me grimace, but that's okay. Um, And I've actually made huge inroads already, so we are definitely on track, Sam. Oh, my goodness me. So exciting. It is very exciting. And who are we introducing today? It's my great pleasure to introduce Robin Wackrow, who is a teacher of English Future Problem Solving, rugby league coach and the head of the gifted and talented program at francis douglas memorial college robin you're amazing welcome (laughs) thank you very much nice to be here i don't know about the amazing bit but busy (laughs) (laughs) so where are you robin i'm in new plymouth yep and I've been saying, how was your bubble life for the longest ever time? But now I'm having to wrap that around the fact that we've had multiple bubbles. How was your first bubble life, the, th- the big one last year? Yeah, it was fine. I'm, um, I've got so many things on the go that I keep really busy and it just sort of flies past. A little bit disappointed this time because today, um, round about now, we were supposed to be leaving with my rugby league team to go and play in the Nationals up in Auckland. And this is the third year in a row that it's been cancelled because the first year we had the measles outbreak and then two COVIDs. So feeling a little bit, don't get to do that. So were you teaching during the lockdown? Yes, yes. How did that go? Um, It's it's good. I find it okay. I think it's harder for the students than it is for us. Um. And we're sort of finding that what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to work in blocks of subjects rather than have an hour of English, an hour of math, hour of science. They're wanting to work in a block, one day on English, one day on science. And, and, and of course, the boys who are doing um, NCEA, that they have very cleverly worked out which one's due first and they're working on that and then forgetting about everybody else <laughs> and, then, and then getting that one out of the way and then going to another one. We've heard lots of talk about people moving to much more of a project-based approach to teaching. Are you able to do that within NCA or are you still stuck into the into the boxes? 
Um, we're trying to. I've got two future problem solving classes, one at year 10 and one at year 11. Um, the year 10s are doing projects and teams, so it is a little bit more difficult for them. But we can, we're going to do a Zoom tomorrow and we're going to have a list of jobs that they can do at home for the team. Um, so, for instance, one group is doing a, we're painting pianos and we're putting them out in the community for people to be able to play when they feel like playing. And their idea was that because of COVID, the mood of the community has dropped. There's a lot of anxiety, um, worry, depression. So they thought through music, they would try to cheer people up. So we've been donated pianos and we've painted them up. We've painted one up like a dragon um, because I'm into the Hobbit and that's smog. And the other one we've painted up like a beach scene and that's going down to a local beach here, Namotu. So um, they can still be, alongside what they do as a project, is a lot of book work. They still have to do a lot of book work for the competition, so they can be doing that at home. Okay, you're yeah. going to have to forgive my ignorance here. Is future problem solving a thing? Okay, let's go back then, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we shall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Future problem solving is a, um, it's a different way of education. And it's in 19 countries in the world. It's in New Zealand and has been for quite some time. Um, I, I I'm going to read you this bit. Dr. Paul Torrance, to address the lack of creativity and the lack of interest in the future by children in the 70s and 80s, has designed this whole new way of teaching. And I've been doing it at Francis Douglas for about 12 years now. Um, and luckily, What's really good about it there is that we've got classes for it. So there's timetabled classes, which makes it so much easier because we were trying at the beginning to do it as an extra. We were trying to get the kids in at lunchtime and things like that, and it's too big to do that. So there's four, under the future problem solving umbrella, there's four things that you can do. And at our school, we do GIPS, which is the Global Issues Problem Solving. And we do Community Problem Solving. So I'll talk to you about GIPS first. So GIPS is whereby you get a, what we call a future scene. And it's, and it's like you'd give a person in a business a brief of something that needs to be sorted out. So they get a future scene that's usually 20 years, 30 years maybe in the future. Really interesting that in 2018, one of the topics was the spread of infectious diseases. So one year before COVID, it was a topic that Future Problem Solving had thought about. And we did. So with that one, through the year, you get three booklets and they're all on three different topics. So, but they're relevant, um, very relevant topics to when the children are probably about 35, something around there, these are the problems that we foresee may be um, something that they will need to think about. So we get three of those through the year and you do them and you send them away for moderation and marking. Then you get a, the one, the third one is called a qualifying problem. So schools do all sit it at the same time in an exam, under exam conditions, and they follow the future problem solving six step process. 
And then the best ones get invited to go to nationals, which is held in Auckland. And then they get given another topic, a completely new topic, and they have to sit the exam up there alongside all the other schools that have been invited. So um, that, that's, that's sort of a lot of, they don't actually do anything with it, but they it's all um, theory, but they need to come up with um, problems and solutions. I'm not explaining it very well. Let yeah, me think back. Well. What? <laughs> and well. under, under future problem solving, there are six steps. So you get this sheet, this brief, this future scene, and from there you have to find up to 16 challenges. So that might be problems that affect somebody or um, things that aren't right, like a big business t telling all their um, workers that they have to have a chip put under their um, skin so that they can monitor them going in and out of the building and things like that. So there's ethics, there's morals, there's all those sorts of things in it. So the children find 16 solutions. Then they look at those solutions and they try to find the big problem. Like the big problem would be lack of privacy maybe or um, coercing people to do something because otherwise they won't have a job or things like that. So, and then from that, they have to try and find 16 solutions and those solutions come under 16 categories like transport, politics, health, science, all those sorts of things. And then from that, they get an action plan. So they, they choose the best solution and decide how they can put that in practice, in theory, in practice, if you know what I mean. So that's the JIP side of it, which we do do at school. Um, and that's how we started off. And then we found out about community problem solving, which is a more localised, practical component to it. So the children need to find, in their groups, they need to find a problem in our community. So um, the one that we did particularly well on was we had um, a boy in my class made a comment. We were talking about, I think something had been on the news and we were talking about obesity. And he said to me, he said, it really makes me wonder sometimes why these people that come on and say that they're really poor and can't afford food and stuff are often obese. And that was like a real trigger in my mind. And I said, well, actually, let's find out why then. Uh, you might be right, and let's find out. And so we did. We went down that pathway. It took a whole year. The projects are a year, so they're not just a five-minute, let's do this and sign it off and that'll do you, miss. It's, um, they've got to work really hard for a year. So long story short, we decided, we found out that the reason that this was happening was that, of course, fruit and vegetables and healthy food was so expensive. So we decided that in our community, we would do something about that. And we're very lucky at Francis Douglas because we've got a farm that is at the school and some of it's leased and some of it's owned by the brothers. Well, it took a wee bit of negotiation, but in the end, we got, <laughs> we got a wee paddock and um, that wasn't really being utilised. And so we sort of took over this paddock and we planted 70 heritage fruit trees yeah 
So, um, and how we did that was we went to our old boy community and to the Francis Douglas community and said, look, for $40, we'll put a fruit tree in there and we'll make a plaque and we'll put your name on it. So um, we got so many, I had to stop people from giving us their $40 because we ran out of land. So that was really exciting. So we did that, we got all that done and um, the, the humorous part of all that was we printed these 40 plaques so they had to learn how to laser print on wood and all that sort of thing. And they varnished them all beautifully so that they would um, last, you know, in the weather. And we were going to be uh, have our big opening, huge big opening down in the um, Mara. And um, I looked at the plaques and I thought, oh, no, please no. And that spelled kindly, K-I-N-D-E-L-Y. <laughs> 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 oh, so well, I said to them, run, take the plaques out, run, run, if we can't have them there. We'll just have to say they're still wet with varnish or something. They can't be there with it spelt wrong. I'm an English teacher. What are you doing? <laughs> so that was really funny. We laughed about that. But we did have a beautiful big opening um, down there, and we call it um, Te Mara o Manakitanga. So it's the Garden of Hospitality. And it was very, it was really exciting because it sort of tied our community um, together a lot. Like a lot of the old boys came back and said, you know, this is fantastic. And parents were saying, oh, we want to be part of this. And, um, and, and we did little things that made it special. Like we'd always had a, um, a um, sign out the front of, with Francis Douglas, you know, and it was on a big slab of timber and all that. And anyway, we, I think powers that be decided to modernise and they took that down. And there were some old boys and parents and that that were actually really happy about that coming down. That had been, that was tradition, you know. So luckily I found it in the paddock where it had just been put and it was perfect for our sign. So we made a lovely big gateway into the garden and we painted on it, Timaro Manakitanga. And of course, so that tied everybody in nicely again. Everyone was really happy with me for that. <laughs> They're not always happy with me, but they were happy about that. <laughs> Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Simon and Garfungal, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Why this one? Um, because I think sometimes you are the bridge. And sometimes you need the bridge. And that's okay, both ways. And I, I just love it. I love Simon Garfunkel.
conversation has come uh, come to be today because we interviewed your sister Karen last week and I said that our schools are not teaching critical thinking and she said hold on a second yes, <laughs> you need yeah. to talk to my sister so here we are talking to you today and um, I, I, I am amazed by what you're doing I think it is absolutely incredible how do we get this so that it is everywhere and way more overt what do we need well, to do to expand this really good question um i think what's exciting is and i don't know that schools are terribly aware of it although future problem solving people you know like they do an amazing job i just teach it i don't run it or anything like that but um what the schools have got to be aware of is that now i've got a year 11 class 
that is doing future problem solving and at the same time in that same class we i'm teaching education for sustainability nca level two so what it is is the year 11s are level one so they're extended a year to level two and they're doing education for sustainability and they're doing the future problem solving program so it's a lot of work and they have to have a good work ethic or else they don't keep up so but that's really exciting so we can do i'm doing some um a senior social studies paper in there um three education for sustainability papers so it's actually its own course under ncea and i've got a student only one wanted to do it this year because it's just new and he's year 12 and he's doing level three education for sustainability so you know it is it can all it can dovetail in beautifully with education for sustainability and senior social studies but i don't think perhaps schools aren't aware that they can do that i'm, I'm lucky that the principal that we had at the time was really open to having different courses at the school and things and so he was he he was really happy for me to do that to put it into the curriculum and it's worked really well because um to be fair the boys do extremely well in the nca there's a lot of excellences um the and what helps with that is is that it's a smaller class of course yeah try and keep it below 16. um is, is there any uh, any statistical information on the impact of this on the on the wider educational journey? Um, I guess only feedback from students, really. I, I don't know about, um, I guess you would have to talk to Future Problems of or NCEA about that. But I know the feedback that I get from students. The first team that I took to America, so they would be that would have been 2013 so that'd probably be about 24 now um one of the boys from that team came back from university of canterbury and said um that in his he was doing engineering and in his class everybody wanted to be in his team when it was a project because he used the future problem solving steps and it just made it sense so what's great about it is that it carries over into real life it's not just something that you learn and then forget you can use it all through your life, um, the steps and and the projects. And the other thing about that is that a lot of um, questions when when you're getting interviewed for university or jobs or whatever, it's not really about your results now. Like one of the top questions is, tell me something that you did for somebody else with no benefit to yourself. You know, and these boys can talk about that because they have done amazing stuff. Because what I forgot to tell you was about the fruit trees was that all the fruit for the next 25 years is donated to Food Bank here in New, in New Plymouth. So they don't get anything from it. They do the work, they give it. Um, and that's how it should be. Mm. I love that. Yeah. When I think about the, the challenges that our kids face at the moment, and, uh, and I talk to this about every person that we interview, um, especially yeah. over over the last hundred or so, because because we've we've done a lot of interviews now. There, right. There's one question I, that I ask everybody, and, and that is when I I look at the the barriers to the future that our kids have in front of them at the moment, things like climate change, 
uh, the future of work, homelessness, addiction, um, impending global economic collapse, which is, you know, back in the media again at the moment, um, obviously COVID, all of these things, there's just, there's nothing positive um, being presented to them at the moment in terms of what the future looks like. Can, can they use this future problem solving process as a way to get themselves over yes. that barrier of negativity to the future? Yes, 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 definitely. Um, because that is the whole thing of it. It's about having a positive spin on it. So it's not like, oh dear, we've got COVID. Oh dear, how sad, doom and gloom, we're all going to die. It's, oh dear, we've got COVID. Um, what's the underlying problem? What are some solutions? Which one will we do? And which one will we research and try and come up with? And it's very, very relevant. So um, a few of the topics over the last couple of years have been uh, a pandemic, spread of infectious diseases, artificial intelligence, impact of the media. You know, so the kids are learning that, you know, like, come on, a lot of this is just rubbish, boys. Yeah, culture of the celebrity, climate change, freedom of speech, cultural prejudice, cyber conflict, space junk. That was a great one. They came up with some great solutions about that um, because what's, you know, all the space junk up there and things. And, you know, first of all, they started off with, and, it's, and it is a process because they start off with, oh, let's just send something up there and blow it all up, you know. <laughs> and then so slowly, slowly they start to think and they start the critical ideas of, you know, well, what would that cause? You know, all that would do would be blow the pieces into smaller pieces and more of them. So it is critical thinking, and 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 the process makes them do that critical thinking. So I I find it really uplifting because I think that you're right. There is way too much doom and gloom around for these uh, for young people for our rangatahi. There's just so much of it that you wonder and you think well you know like there's so much depression so much anxiety amongst our youth we've got to give them the skills and the and the formula almost to think their way out of it you know to think of the good things that can come i mean you think of COVID and you think well there's not very much good can come from COVID, but there will be things you know people connecting a little bit more maybe being kinder to your neighbor things like that that you don't really think of as anything slightly positive could come from bad things, but there's always that other side if you look a little bit further and if you critical think and you be creative and you come up with solutions. And the solutions might be totally whack. You know, they might be not, not really doable, but at least they're thinking. Robin, I've been thinking a lot about pathway plans for kids and uh, I think about, you know, imagine if we started with our four-year-olds asking them that question, what do you want to be when you get big? Let's talk about that and describe it and and draw a picture of it. And if we kept that conversation going in a really formal way all the way through their schooling and, and never really caring what they want to be when they grow up, just making sure they've got the ability to think themselves into a future. And then when they get to about the age your kids are at, um, is changing that conversation to what problem do you want to solve? And I mm -hmm. see there that that's a really great pathway for our kids into the future. It certainly is. And and like, what sort of person do you want to be? 
you know, like I, I'm a big, I go on to the kids all the time. I just want you to be men of integrity. And it's up on my board. I'm going to change it to people. Um, but, you know, it's like, be a good person. First of all, be a good person, you know, um, and, and teamwork and understanding of other people and things like that. And I think we're getting hugely better at it as teachers at that pastoral role. You know, so we've moved on from that, oh, harden up or take a teaspoon of cement and harden up, they used to say. Well, you know, we're, we're completely not like that anymore. You know, we're on side with the boys. And I think a big thing is um, relationships. You know, if you can form a good relationship with a boy, um, it just helps you and, and them so much. You know, like even like just getting the kids on side in the first month of school, the rest of the year is sweet. You know, and a really good way to do that, I think, and what I use is um, I tell them something that I'm terrible at, like I'm a terrible cook, and I tell them little anecdotes about how I made my kids eat green mints because I put so much silver beet in the mints it went green. And they're all going, ooh, miss, ooh, I wouldn't eat that. And I said, well, I made my kids. <laughs> and, you know, things like that. So you sort of make yourself a bit human to them, and, and then they're fine to have mistakes as well you know or do things that they're not good at it's fine um they don't have to be good at everything they just have to be good people bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dunedin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie kia ora koutou na mahi aroha nui kia koutou koutou all having the best day beautiful superstars in your beloved universes I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So today is the day that we move into level three and I know that for all of us here in the South Island we're feeling so grateful and I'm sure everybody in Wellington is feeling so grateful and for those in Auckland and Northland thank you for your hard work continuing in level four. I know for all of us this now more than a year dealing with these level changes and these ups and downs with this global pandemic has been very hard and it's so important that we are kind to ourselves and each other and understand that everybody is experiencing this differently as individuals but collectively we must do what we can to care for each other and support each other at this difficult time. I know that the sense of gratitude that we're all feeling to be protected in this way will be really helpful over the next wee while as we adjust to this change again which has happened quite abruptly and gratitude is so powerful when we can reframe and recalibrate refocus with a sense of gratitude with an attitude of gratitude as they say our whole world shifts and turns so that we can appreciate everything we have. I know for me that I'm so grateful to be here. I miss my mum in the UK and I wish she was here too. I miss seeing my friends 
in this lockdown but I feel so grateful that we can keep in touch we can talk every day and support and sustain each other I also feel very grateful to to live here in Aote Dunedin such a supportive creative community and know that we're all doing our bit to encourage each other and support each other I also feel very grateful that I live in beautiful Aotearoa New Zealand our wonderful government are doing everything they can to protect us look after us I'm really grateful that we have an elimination strategy and that's the aim that's the goal it's very impressive and admirable so I really hope for you you're able to find things around you that you feel grateful for you're able to find ways to refocus and reframe so that you can really enjoy the benefits of those things in your life that you feel grateful for while we are in this lockdown level three now it's a real opportunity to focus on those small details in our daily lives that often we don't have the time or the mental space psychic space to appreciate now we really can so i hope you can enjoy looking around your home looking at those you love really appreciating and feeling grateful for the connections in your life i hope this can sustain you at this difficult time i also hope you can feel grateful for yourself all the skills you possess all the ways that you contribute to this world your innate beauty and your innate power i hope you can appreciate all these things for yourself Thank you to Sam and the Whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. I'm so grateful to be part of the show and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Robin Wackrow. Robin, do you think that our Kiwi kids think differently from other kids around the world? I do a little bit. Um, the, the team that I was talking about that planted the fruit trees... And there was another team, the same um, level. They, when we had the water um, cut off in New Plymouth and we had no water at school, um, the council insisted on giving us 800 water bottles every day for five days and we didn't really want them. And so we had all this plastic and I'm having 20 fits on the sideline. <laughs> and um, Anyway, another group of boys, they decided, right, they would build um, mini glass houses out of these plastic bottles and so they did that and they fit, we built them to fit exactly over the raised beds that you can buy so it was like a little mini and we made them and we gave them away to people like older people we gave them away to a school things like that and they worked really well so anyway what happened was both those teams made nationals so they were first and second and they went up to nationals and they came first and second in nationals. So the bottle boy, uh, the um, fruit tree boys came first, and the bottle boys came second. So they said that usually the first whoever comes first gets invited to go to America to the international finals. But they said that they were only a point apart these two teams. So they would send, would they both like to go? So we did. We went to um, America. And um, they were just amazing, these boys. It's 
there was 17, I think, countries there. They do a walk past with their flag. The whole, there's a huge stadium full of thousands of people. And we're sitting there, Joe, Boris, George and I, who came with me, she's our, our FPS coach as well. And um, we're sitting there with the boys at the prize giving. And we didn't realise that they weren't going to call out names. They were going to call out numbers. And so when, once we realised that, because there were several different divisions, so there's quite a few trophies, um, we were scrambling around on our phones trying to find what number we were because we had no idea. So anyway, we found the numbers and up on the big screen came both our numbers for the final three. And the boys jumped up and they were all screaming and they were running down to the stage. And I'm saying, no, no, it's a mistake. Come back. You're going to be really embarrassed. Come back. And they go, no, it's us. It's us. <laughs> anyway, it was true. I thought they must have made a mistake because there was two Francis Douglas teams in the same section. And um, anyway, luckily... Um, they were up on the stage and it was okay. And their third people were, I think, from Mexico. I'm not, can't quite remember. So they announced third first. And so then my boys all looked at each other and thought, oh my goodness, we're first and second and who's going to get it? And what happened was the bottle boys beat the fruit tree boys <laughs> and they won world competition and the fruit tree boys came second. So it was extremely exciting yeah so um yeah and then so we've had um i think four times we've been to america to the um international finals so it, it's a great the boys love it of course because you know bigger competition and going overseas and so it was a little bit gutting this year that um it was virtual <laughs> so but we, we did go to queenstown we decided we'd do something Cool, and we went down there and, and did it virtually from there. But um, the, the big, th I think the big thing is that it is a competition and there is a reward. Yeah, and, and you're pitting yourself against the world, you know. And it was quite interesting to get back to your question and answer it directly. Um, it was actually interesting to see this. All the students over there, though, they were all bright, confident, positive full of life, you know, and, and I, for my boys, I think it was really neat for them to mix with people like that, to see that there were people like them in the world that, you know, were serious about changing things. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, well, when you grow up, you might change that. It was like, we can do this, you know, together, and um, that enthusiasm for it. Has the fact that the pandemic has shown that we can do stuff if we really set our minds to it, as in we can shut the country down at the, the drop of a hat, have the kids noticed? Has that had an impact in terms of them thinking that things can get done? Um, are you thinking about their schoolwork or...? No, I'm, 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 think, I'm thinking about the fact that the... The country, I, I think one of the benefits of the, the pandemic, one of the things we can learn from the pandemic is that as a country, we can do stuff when we really set our minds to it. We yeah. can make a decision yeah. as a country, this is how we're going to do some, something and do it and be quite different yeah. to the rest of the world. And we're OK with that. Aren't we lucky we're islands? 
You know, aren't we lucky we don't have borders? Aren't we lucky that we're down here? And that's the other thing that I try and instill in the boys is that, you know, don't moan. Think, have an attitude of gratitude. We're jolly, jolly lucky. You know, who, who wouldn't swap with us to be in New Zealand? You know, some of those countries. You know, we're, we're just so, so lucky. And that we can do that sort of thing. We can try and keep our um, people safe. And they talk about a team of 5 million. Well, that's like a suburb in some cities, isn't it? You know, like, so we're lucky we're small. We're lucky we're away from everybody else. You know? But we can still, I, choose, I just, we can still choose to follow the science. Yes, exactly. And, and the science, you know, where would we be without our scientists? Yeah. I mean, you know... More and more, we're going to rely on them in the future, aren't we, the scientists? Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Matt Corby, Resolution. Why this? I just really like it. I think it's a really funky song. And he sort of talks about being the resolution, you know? And, like, yeah, I I just think it's really cool because we need to teach boys resilience and that they can resolve things. You know, I'm big on resilience. Get up. Have another go. I'm giving up this whole eyes on me. Call it out like a family. Instead of bad my time get around until the rubber leaves the road. You said don't lie, so I made the truth Seem like a lie to even you Control your fears, That you do not know where you're going to
Robin, I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Probably getting those boys, um, those teams to America. That was pretty huge for a little wee provincial college in Taranaki. It wasn't too bad to take on the world and beat them. (laughs) So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Oh, um, making a muppet of myself and making the boys laugh, I guess. <laughs> do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, yes, for yes, I do. Yes, I do. Why is that? For, for this way of education, for sustainability, talking about sustainability, the environment. Yeah, I do. Only through school, though. I'm not that fantastic in the com- doing stuff in the community. I kind of do it through school. But I'm thinking as I get a bit more time in my day, I'll, I would like to do things in the community. Well, I think that doing it through school is a pretty good way of having a massive impact. Well, they can't run away from me. They have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I can stand. I've got a hobbit door going into my room. And it's a little round door that um, my year nines made me, well, the same boys actually that went to America the first time. And they, because oh, I'm into The Hobbit, and they made me this door. And so you have to come in through this little round door into my classroom. And of course, the tall boys and the tall teachers have to duck. And we think it's really amusing when we're sitting in there and we see a teacher coming over and they forget and bang their head as they come in. <laughs> we find that all very amusing. <laughs> so, because I'm really short, I never have to duck. That's fine. So we put a little plastic bath duck on the door so that people would know to duck, but some of them don't get it. <laughs> so what and motivates really you? Even more amusing. <laughs> what motivates you? The rangatahi, I think. Yeah. I actually love the classroom. I, I would never make an administrator or anybody like that because I'm absolutely hopeless with technology and I'm don't file but I love the classroom. I love being in there and we rock and roll along and, yeah. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, golly. Um, I guess it will be to – I'd really like to get um, future problem-solving and education for sustainability – uh, as a more popular, well-known um, subject. And I think that education for sustainability, it's been a little bit difficult because it's quite new and there's not a lot of schools doing it. And so it's quite hard to get um, resources and help. And, you know, and often, like with English, it's easy to get lots of resources and talk to people who have done things. And with education for sustainability, it's a little bit like we're the, we're the pioneers. Um, so I'd like that to happen. I really would like other schools to jump on and see that that can be done. 
And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Be people of integrity. Be good. Be good people. Read read the poem If by Rudyard Kipling and work that out. Thank you for that. Moera. Robin, we definitely need to find a way to clone you. Um, if that you can add that to your future problem solvers <laughs> to do, that would be great. Um, this has been incredibly informative. I actually had no idea um, that this was even a thing, and I'm really glad to know that it is. And so um, I have feel the need to have that as a mission to go and um, and spread the word in our local community and our local schools, and I hope that other listeners do as well. Thank you very, very much for your time and for all that you do for your community and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, even though I was a bit cross with Karen for dropping me in it. <laughs> it's been absolutely lovely. So lovely to talk to you. If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and, which is more, you will be a man, my son. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. That was If Rudyard Kipling, read by Ralph Fiennes off his Rudyard Kipling album. 
I'm Samuel Adams, Lawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and we have been joined by Robin Wackrow from New Plymouth. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stress. I mean the bare necessities are Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. When you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. The bare necessities of life will come to you. They'll come to you. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease with just the bare necessities of life. Now when you pick a pawpaw or a prickly pear, and you prick a raw paw, well next time beware. Don't pick the prickly pear by the paw. When you pick a pear, try to use the claw. But you don't need to use the claw when you pick a pair of the big pawpaw. Have I given you a clue? The bare necessities of life will come to you. They'll come to you. Just try and relax, yeah, cool it, fall apart in my backyard. Cause let me tell you something, little wretches, if you act like that bee acts, uh-uh, you're working too hard. And don't spend your time looking around for something you want that can't be found. When you find out you can live without it And go along not thinking about it I'll tell you something true The bare necessities of life will come to you Look for the bare necessities The simple 
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.